Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. We're going to continue our series called God Privilege. But before we get into that, I want you to practice something for me. I want you to take a moment and find somebody sitting next to you and speak a blessing over them. We don't do that to each other very often. Just, just say, some, say a blessing of God over their life. If you're joining us online, I want to say thanks for being with us. It's great to hear the Word of God over the internet, but if you ever have the chance to be here with us in person, we would love for you to come and be with us. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Kate. I'm the lead pastor here at No Limits alongside my wife, Beth. At No Limits, we're here to help you know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. So this series is all about living in God privilege. Quick recap for you guys. We're learning how to live in the promises of God, and we're focusing on three of them, wealth, health, and protection. And so far, we've been talking about God's promise of wealth. And we've discovered that it's about more than generosity. We've also got to learn how to see money from God's perspective. But the bottom line is that God wants you to prosper. Every person in this room, God wants you to prosper. And I'll prove it to you in Scripture, but let me give you my definition of godly prosperity once again. And that's more than enough for my family, plus an overflow to accomplish everything God asks me to do. That's what it looks like to be prosperous. I'll show it to you in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 9.8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Right? God wants you to have more than enough for you so that you have the extra needed to help others. That's the goal here. And that's how you know if you're living in the promises of God. So if this scripture does not describe your life, all you got to do is listen to what we're doing in this series, what we're talking about in the series, apply it to your life, and you're going to see this come true in your life because the word works. It always works. And I'm not teaching you anything that I haven't tried out myself to see if it works and seen the results of it. So I can promise you if you apply these things, you're going to see the results of it. My expectation is for you for this series to send everybody in this room on a journey with the destination of godly wealth. For all of you to be walking in godly wealth. Not just some of us, but all of us. And we have to. It's important. Why? We got work to do. The end times are upon us, and we need to be equipped for every good work. So say this with me. God wants me to prosper. Is there anybody who didn't believe that at first, and now you're starting to be like, you know what, that's right, God wants me to prosper. He wants me to prosper. So last week we talked about divine multiplication, and we found out that if we want to be good stewards of what God has given us, we must multiply. We got to multiply. Multiplication is such a big deal to God, it's the first thing that he commanded us to do, right? And he didn't just ask us to multiply, he commanded us to multiply. He said, go do it, go multiply. Actually, if you choose to maintain instead of multiply, you'd be categorized as a wicked and lazy servant, right? You remember that? Ouch, that hurts a little bit because I think we've all been a wicked and lazy servant at some point in our, in our life. But let me explain why maintaining is evil. When you maintain the goal, your goal is to get things from others. Let me tell you what I mean. You want somebody else to pay for your meal. You want them to give you a discount. You want them to give you a free pass. Why? Because you're so focused on making sure your bank account always has X amount of dollars in it, you got to maintain, right? So you got to watch every dollar that goes out. Alternatively, when you're focused on multiplication, you're just looking for ways to sow financial seed. 
It doesn't bother you that your bank account gets smaller for a moment because you know it's going to multiply later on. You're looking for ways to sow. You're not guarding your dollars going out, right? So you spend money that you have to start a business if that's what God leads you to do. And because you serve people well through your business, money is attracted to you and you multiply. Or you give to your church because you understand that your tithes and offerings are financial seed that have a supernatural return. Or you invest your money in other businesses and other assets that increase in value over time because you're looking at ways to multiply. How can I get this money out of my bank account and into something that's going to multiply? Because it ain't multiplying in your bank account. It's dwindling. Even if the number stays the same, inflation is upon us. Always. Maybe worse now, but it's always been there, right? It's time to give up on maintaining. Instead, we've got to look for every opportunity to multiply. And as you learn to let go of your money in order to multiply later on, you've got to learn to let go of your money ah, in order to multiply later on. You're, it's going to be good. And you just need to lean into God's grace. You need to lean into God's wisdom because he'll guide you through all that. Because his, his desire is for you to multiply. You think he's going to help you multiply? Yes, he's going to help you multiply. In order to get to a place where we can do this, though, we have to learn to trust God to provide for our needs. You know, if we don't trust him with our needs, we're going to be too busy taking care of our own needs and we won't be able to multiply. Has anybody ever been there before? Everybody in this room at some point, right? You're just so focused on getting your needs taken care of. I don't have time to think about multiplying. So that's what I want to talk about today. Trust and provision. There's a song that we sing here at church called How He Loves, right? Over and over we sing, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And when we were singing this a few months ago, at the end, we switched it around and said, we love you. Talking to God, right? We love you. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. And as we were singing this, I sensed the spirit of God say to me, he said, I'd rather you all sing, I trust you. Oh, how I trust you. Oh, how I trust you. And in that moment, I realized that God's love language is trust. He feels the most loved by us when we trust him. I'm talking about when life seems to be falling apart, right? And you look at God with complete peace and you say, God, this doesn't even bother me because I trust you. I trust you. And this goes in line with what Jesus called the greatest commandment in Mark 12.30. He said, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is quite detailed. I mean, he could have just said, hey, love the Lord your God, period. But he explained it a little further. He gave us clarity with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So what does this mean? Love God from the inside out. From the inside out, everything you are, everything you do, every decision you make, your love for God should be involved in all of it. All of it. In other words, you trust God in every aspect of life. You aren't hiding anything from him. You aren't keeping anything from him. You trust him with your success. You trust him with your failure. You trust God. And when God's ways contradict your ways, you trust him. So you abandon what you wanted to do and you go after what God wants you to do instead. Why? Because you trust him. Just like it says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Yeah, it is hard, isn't it? Someone called me this past Friday to express their concerns with the COVID vaccine. Like she was just upset about all the mandates. Anybody upset about all the mandates? She has grandkids in California and they're trying to mandate the vaccine for kids to go to school there. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's wild. She has friends who are losing their job because they refuse to get the vaccine. And all of this has become really upsetting to her, and I get it because this is nonsense. 
It's nonsense. They're even categorizing our military who refuse the vaccine as dishonorably discharged. The people who serve our country, they're rejecting an experimental vaccine and they dishonorably discharge them and take away their pension. That's what's going on. Listen to me. If you want to get the vaccine, that's your business. I'm not even going there. I'm talking about the mandates here. We have to get into agreement, though. The church has to get into agreement that the mandates have to stop. The mandates have to stop. We should all be praying that Biden's mandates are overturned. And we're already seeing fruit that it's going to happen that way. But we should all be in agreement. We should all be speaking failure over Biden's mandate plan. I speak failure. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven, right? So I bind that plan. I bind that mandate in the name of Jesus. And I lose freedom into the United States of America. We should all be in agreement on that. And y'all, we should also be making sure, making it known to our employers, our friends, our family, that we don't agree with the mandates. And I'm not telling y'all to be ugly about it and start arguing with them. Just let them know, hey, you know what? I don't agree with this. Period. Because people need to start hearing this because they think that they're all alone when they don't agree with this. So then they just go out and get it because, well, everybody else just agrees with it. I must be the oddball out. No, they need to hear us tell them, you know, I don't agree with it either. We don't have to sit here and argue about it, but I do want to let you know I don't agree with it. So this person who called me was conflicted about all of it. On one side, she didn't agree with the mandate. On the other side, she was worried about how those losing their jobs are going to feed their families. So she asked me the question. She said, hey, is it, is it right for these people to put their families at risk for going hungry because they don't want to get the vaccine? Is, is it right? These are the kind of questions you get asked as a pastor. And then she proceeds to explain how it's easy for me to encourage people to stand against the mandates because I'm in a position where the mandates don't affect me. I own my own business. My kids are homeschooled. But the reality is the mandate affects all of us. It causes flights to be canceled, truck drivers to go on strike, hospitals to be understaffed. It affects all of us, but it's a battle worth fighting. If we give into this, I mean, what's the government going to do next? If they can force us to inject something into our bodies, what's next? What can they not force us to do if they can force us to do that? I can actually tell you what's next. They're going to use the climate change theory to try to control you. And I mentioned this a couple weeks. I can tell you that's what's coming next. I'm going to prophesy right now. God already told me. And it's all about money. It all is wrapped up in money because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, right? And oil and gas are a very lucrative business. You guys probably know that. We live in Oklahoma, right? We get that. So they actually they made up this climate change theory because there's people who want the wealth of oil and gas, And so they're trying to shut down oil and gas so these alternative sources of energy, which are inferior, by the way, can be prosperous. Because it's the only way they'll be prosperous, because they suck. (laughs) They don't work. So they got to shut down oil and gas to get there. I hope you'll join me in standing for freedom. I refuse to sit on the sidelines while they try to make America a communist nation. I'm just not going to do it. You know why? Because I care too much about my kids and my grandkids, and I want them to live in a free America. So I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll fight. I'll go to war against this because I want my kids to live in freedom. So back to the question about people losing their jobs. It made me think, I sure hope they know how to trust God to provide for their needs. Because I know not everybody who's losing their job does know how to do that. Because here's the truth in Philippians 4.19, God will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God supplies how many needs? How many? Where does he get the resources to supply these needs? From his riches. Do you have to earn it? It was given to you in Christ Jesus. Someone needs to get a revelation of that. Soak in it. We shouldn't waste one moment 
caring about our own needs. Not one moment, because God supplies all my needs. God supplies all my needs. And this doesn't even depend on my behavior. He supplies all my needs because of who I am in Christ. I am a child of God. And that's why he supplies all my needs. And speaking of, here's how Jesus explains it. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? So why are you so concerned about your needs being met? I can tell you why. Because you're trusting in yourself instead of trusting in God. That's why you're worried about it. You're obsessed with meeting your own needs when you should be trusting God to meet your needs. And there's so many ways that he can meet your needs, y'all. He can use other people. He can get you a better job. He can give you a genius business idea. He can show you what investment to make. I mean, the list goes on. There's so many ways that he meets needs. So don't limit how God can take care of your needs. Just trust him to do it. And if you're thinking, Kate, this is easy for you to say, you don't have to worry about losing your job because of the vaccine. Easy for you to say, well, let me tell you a little story here. Three years into a job that I loved that paid me really well, God led me to quit. I didn't particularly like his request, so I thought I'd stick it out for a while to see if it was really God. And God has a sense of humor. Somehow he managed to shift this job from something that I loved to something that was extremely aggravating. I was the business manager and was responsible for reporting to the board each month on the details of our financial situation. This was never a problem until God led me to quit this job. A new board member joined at that time who was a thorn in my side. You know, usually when a board member had a detailed question about the financials, they'd tell me ahead of time so that I could do the research and come prepared to the meeting and let them know what was going on. Not this guy. He would wait until the meeting. And he would ask me questions that he knew I wouldn't know the answer to unless I could go research it first. But he was on mission to humiliate me while 14 people were sitting there staring at me, expecting me to have these answers. And then my workload for my own business increased significantly, so I found myself struggling to stay engaged in both. It all became very aggravating. I was just aggravated. It was so aggravating that I finally said, all right, Lord, I get it. I'll put in my notice and leave this job that pays me really well to do something that I like to do. But I was still nervous. Considering the job paid me well, I wasn't sure how I was going to make up the income. That's the downside when you get paid really well, right? When you get asked to move on, you're like, what am I going to do now? I had a mortgage to pay, a wife to take care of. Nevertheless, I put in my notice. I did it. Not even kidding you. Two days later, we find out Beth's pregnant with our first child. Once again, God has a sense of humor. I wasn't laughing, but I'm sure he was. I wasn't. So before Beth and I got married, we had agreed that she would be a stay-at-home mom as soon as we had our first kid. So now, I not only had to replace my income, but her income as well. Do what? Yeah. Yeah. Got nine months to do it, right? So I had a choice to make. They didn't want to let me go. They tried to get me to stay, so I could have went and got the job back. I could have said, just kidding, I'll stay. And they would have been like, oh, good. And in my own thoughts, it seemed like the right thing to do. I mean, I have a kid coming. I have a kid to take care of now. I, gotta, I should probably keep this job. But Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
Thankfully, I chose to live out this scripture. I trusted what God asked me to do, even though it didn't make sense to me at the time. It didn't make sense at all. There was no indication that I would be able to replace my income from that job. But I took the step, and maybe that's where you are. You know you aren't supposed to give in to the mandate, and you're at risk for losing your job. And if you reason it out, it makes sense to just go ahead, get the shot, so you can keep providing for your family. But there's something tugging on the inside of you, right? Saying, don't give in. Don't give in to this. Don't do this. Don't lean on your own understanding. You can always reason your way out of the will of God. You always can. Instead, trust the Lord with all your heart. Trust him to take care of your needs while you stand for what's right. It worked out for me. and It'll work out for you because God's no respecter of persons. After I quit that job, my business flourished. It replaced my income. It replaced Beth's income. And it went far beyond that. The business now not only provides for my own family, but it provides for my two employees as well. And it continues to grow. Why? Because I trust in the Lord. When he asks me to do something, I do it, even when it doesn't make sense. Y'all, God's love language is trust. (laughs) His love language is trust. If you want to love him, then trust him. So how do you know if you trust God? I think this is a question that the women were asking. It's funny how all this ties together, right? How do you trust God? Well, if you trust God, you have peace. Let me give you some indicators here. If you trust God, you have peace. It doesn't matter how bad it looks, you have peace. It doesn't matter that what you currently see is contrary to what you're believing for, you have peace. You know, God's promised me some pretty incredible things about the book that I launched a few months ago, and I haven't seen any of them yet. None of them. I'll be honest, though, there have been times where I've been a little upset with God about it all. But you told me, and thankfully I wrote them all down because I can go revisit these prophecies that he gave me, or I probably would have done forgot about them. But so far, the book hasn't even broke even. I've spent way more printing and marketing the book than I've made on book sales. And then I have people criticizing me on social media that I'm only doing this for money. Like, if you could only see the financials. (laughs) This is not about money. But you know what? God asked me to write the book. He asked me to, and I trust him to provide for the needs of the book and to get it out to everybody who needs it. So I have peace while I'm waiting for it to come to pass. My peace has tried to fly away many times, I'll be honest, but you grab it. I have peace and put it back on. Here's another way to know if you trust God. If you trust God, your needs are always met. We just read it earlier. God promised to supply how many needs? Oh, he takes care of the birds. Won't he take care of you? So the only explanation for your needs not being met is because you trust something other than God. Maybe you trust in yourself, but most likely you trust in money. You look at the size of your bank account as the source of your needs. And as long as you look to money to meet your needs, you'll find yourself lacking at some point. But if you look to God to meet your needs, they will always be taken care of. And here's how Jesus says it. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And then a few verses down, he goes on to say, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These thoughts dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows how many needs? All of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. In other words, trust God. Trust God, and you'll have everything you need. 
But did you just find out that you trust something other than God? You're not alone. Because really, most Christians struggle to trust God. And I want to tell you why, so that you can be healed from these trust issues. There's a healing that's going to happen today. The answer is found in the life of Jesus, as it always is. Did Jesus struggle to trust God? Do we ever read about a time where his needs were not met? No, Jesus was always taken care of. I mean, one time he needed to pay his taxes, and he went and got the money that he needed, that he needed out of a fish. I tell you, God will supply your needs one way or the other. I wouldn't limit the way he wants to do it because he may just want to do it through a fish. One time he was at a wedding. They ran out of wine. So Jesus gathered about 120 gallons of water and turned it into wine, the best wine. And one time he was preaching to thousands of people and they were hungry. They only had five loaves and two fish. And Jesus took it. He multiplied it supernaturally. And they all ate until they were full and there was leftovers. Y'all, when Jesus was born, the wise men showed up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus was wealthy before he had his first diaper rash. It's true. Jesus lived a life where all his needs were met. Why? Because his trust was in God. So what enabled him to trust God? Why did he never waver in his trust? The answer is found in his relationship with God. I want to ask you, how did Jesus refer to God? Father. Father. Take a look. Matthew 6, 9. In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. John 4, 23. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such worship to him. In my favorite, John five nineteen, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus had a full revelation of his sonship. He wasn't God's slave. He was God's son. That's my dad up there. That's my heavenly father. And he knew that his father would give him everything that he needed. But there was one time where Jesus did not refer to God as father. It's when he was hanging on the cross. Right before he died, take a look. He said, at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time, Jesus was separated from the Father. And it's not because he sinned, it's because all of our sin was put on top of him. He took our place, he paid the penalty for our sin. I want you to notice that he didn't say, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In this moment, Jesus became an orphan so that we could become sons and daughters. It's the divine exchange, right? Jesus took my sins so that I could have his righteousness. Jesus took my sickness so that I could be healed. Jesus took my shame so that I could receive his glory. Jesus took the curse so that I could live in the blessing. Jesus took my orphan spirit so that I could be a child of God. Yet here we are, so many of us, thinking and living like an orphan. We don't see God as our loving father. We see him as our master. 
or our judge, or even worse, through the lens of a failed earthly father. So let me help you identify where you are with a few comparisons. As an orphan, you see God as your master and you think, I have to serve God. But as a son or a daughter, you see God as your loving father and you think, I get to serve my awesome dad. As an orphan, you're independent and you're self-reliant. As a son or a daughter, you're in partnership with God. You don't have to do anything without your heavenly father. And as an orphan, you live by the love of law. It's all about rules and regulations. But as a son or daughter, you live by the law of love. You love God and you know that he loves you regardless. And you love yourself and you love others just like God loves you. It's all about love. As an orphan, you're insecure and you lack peace. And you think, I have to hold on to what I have because there might not be enough in the future to take care of me. But as a son or a daughter, you're secure and you maintain peace, even when you might lose your job because of a mandate, because these things don't even bother you, because your job's not your provider. Your father is your provider. He'll supply all my needs, right? According to his riches and glory. I don't even have to worry about the failing American economy. My father owns this place. And he gave all that he owns to me because I'm his son. Inflation doesn't even scare me because, y'all, my father is so wealthy, he can give me whatever I need to buy. Even a $100 loaf of bread, he can handle it. He's got it covered. Y'all, it's not like God's a pizza and we all get a slice. Even though a lot of us think of it, we think of it that way. No, God is the bakery. And there's always more where that came from. There's always more. He is more than enough. You see, orphans think that the father turns away when they sin. But sons and daughters know when I sin, I'm the one who turned away. And all I have to do is turn back, and he's always there waiting for me. You know, I heard the story of a 70-year-old man who realized that although he was saved for a long time, he had been living like an orphan. He was reminded of a time when he was 12 years old, and at dinner one night, he showed his dad his report card. He had a 98%. And his dad looked at him and said, that's good, son. But next time, you better come home with 100. I didn't raise a 98. In this moment, the 70-year-old man realized that this conversation all the way back when he was 12 years old is what shaped his entire life, where he lived performing for approval. He was living as an orphan trying to earn the approval of God when God had already approved him through Jesus Christ. Maybe you had a distant father, and so that makes you think that God is distant and doesn't want much to do with you. Or maybe you had an angry father, and so you're in constant fear of God's wrath, and so you kind of hide behind Jesus and use him as your buffer. Maybe you had a father that couldn't provide for you, and so now you live in constant fear that one day you're going to go broke. Maybe you had a father who wasn't even there, and now you wonder, is God even there? Is he even there? Whatever father images you have from your earthly father, I'm here to tell you that God is not like an earthly father. Nothing can separate you from his love. Not even, he, he was fully aware. He's fully aware that you're going to make mistakes. There's not a parent in this room that doesn't know that their kids are going to make mistakes. And yet you're there to help them through it. And God is the same way. He sees you through the perfection of Jesus. He is well pleased with you. Robin, when he looks at you, he says, I am well pleased with you, my daughter. Every person in this room, when God sees you, he sees Jesus, and he is well pleased with you. 
One more comparison between orphans and sons and daughters, and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to heal our orphan hearts this morning. You see, orphans are obsessed with what they do. They think, if I do, I have. If I have, I become. But sons and daughters, they're secure in who they are. They think, because I'm a son of God, I already have what I need. And because of what I have, I do. See the difference? Orphans think they have to believe and behave in order to belong. But sons and daughters already know they belong. I already belong. And because I belong, I believe. And because I believe, I behave. It's all about getting it in the right order. And we can sum all of this up in one verse when Jesus said this, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And you know how he came to us? Through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here right now, ready to heal your orphan heart. So we're going to ask the guys in back, go ahead and turn those lights down. We're going to get quiet before the Holy Spirit, because maybe he needs to take you back to a story when you were 12 years old that has shaped your entire life and you need to get healing from that. I don't, I don't know what it is for you, so we're going to let the Holy Spirit do what only he can do. So Holy Spirit, we invite you. You are welcome in this place to mend our hearts, to heal our hearts. And what I'm asking you for today is to help us all have a revelation of our Father, of His goodness, of His love. That in our prayers from now on, we don't say, God, but we go to Him and say, Father, Part of this process is requires that you forgive your earthly father. I can almost feel the pain that you're feeling because of what your earthly father did to you. 
as soon as you forgive him in your heart, healing is going to wash over your soul. Just make a decision right now. I forgive you. I forgive you. Vista, do you have a word? Vista, do you have a word to share? Okay. Awesome. good father and he provided um, but there were things in the family with a stepmother and so forth so she kind of ruled things but I don't want to get technical into things um, but we were in church and I would have questions as a young child we weren't spirit filled in our family it wasn't that it was church of Christ still so. It was really different. Um, I didn't learn a lot of things. <laughs> um, but I was just thinking back there. About 96, I came into the church. And I met Gina's mother at jury duty, actually. And um, went to her church. And so there was a process for me to understand the love of God. Because I really didn't understand the love of my father. He was present. Even a present father can not give you the kind of love that you need. But it was a process to understanding the love that God has for me. The love that <laughs> it took for Jesus to die on the cross. He took my place on the cross. That's an extravagant amount of love to die for somebody. And it took me many years, actually just a few years, that I really understood what he did on that cross. He took my place. And then he went into the grave for me. And now he has risen, and I have risen with him. We are with him. Next to God on the throne, 
that Jesus is with. We are seated on the throne with Jesus next to our Father. And we have to live from that area. He's not up there and we're down here. We're seated with him. We're coexisting with our Father. And if we just coexist with him and understand that he is with us, we can look to him. We don't have to look to people for understanding. He's given us a Holy Spirit for comfort and understanding and teaching and guidance. But we have to learn to look at our Father first. As a child goes to their Father for guidance, we go to our Father and ask. And He will give us understanding. We may not get it right away, but He will give us the understanding. We just have to walk it out in the process. No orphans in this room. You're all sons and daughters. It's just a really beautiful thing to think about how Jesus related to the Father. It's an aha moment whenever I realized that he always referred to him as Father until the end when he referred to him as God. And I was just like, wow. To Jesus... God was always Father, always Father. He never did anything that the Father didn't ask Him to do. It's, it's Him and the Father, Him and the Father. And it can, it can be the same for you. It should be the same for you. It should be the same for me. It's just, just you and the Father, you and the Father. He's walking this out with you. He's providing for every need. He supplies all your needs according to His riches, which never run out, <laughs> by the way. Man. And I'm with you guys. I'm still walking down this journey of understanding who my father is and that relationship with my father. And I don't have this down perfect. And uh, so whenever he asked me to preach this message, I was like, God, I don't even, I'm not even there yet. Are you sure you want me to talk about it? It's like, yeah, because that's going to help you get there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I just want you to know that I'm, I'm with you guys in walking this out, but we all need to come to the deeper our revelation is of our Father, the more everything else comes together. That should be our primary focus, understanding my Father, my Heavenly Father. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love today. We rest in your love today. We rest in your provision. And thank you for being so patient with us while we're down here trying to do it by ourselves. And we thank you, God, that you've healed that orphan spirit today. That today's the day we leave that behind. I'm no longer an orphan. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. He is well pleased with me. Because of who I am in Christ, it's not because of what I've done. It's because of who I am in Christ. So, Father, we thank you. And we honor you today. 
And we want you to know that we love you, but even more so, I know what you want to hear and what you want to see is that we trust you. So Father, I trust you. Father, I trust you with this book that you asked me to write. I don't know what the timeline is, but you do. And I'm just going to trust you. Father, I trust you with our church. Father, I trust you in my business and in my finances and with my family. God, I trust you with my kids. God, I trust you with my brother who I don't know what in the world he's doing right now, but I trust you to bring him back to who he is, your son. Take a moment right now where you are and you, you pray. You, you let the Father know where you trust Him. Whatever that area is that you've been worried in, I want you to shift that around and just let Him know you trust Him. You go ahead and bring those lights back up. Hmm. Got to rest in that one for a minute, huh? I want to give you guys an update before we go on something awesome that's happening in the Philippines. We have several churches and pastors that we support in the Philippines. That's something that we've been doing for several years now. And just a few weeks ago, one of our pastors over there reached out to let me know that he was invited to air a weekly radio show over there in the Philippines. It was a really awesome opportunity for him because they're still pretty shut down over there because of COVID. So that's one of the only ways that pastors can get the gospel out right now is through radio. The only problem was they needed the equivalent of $75 per month to pay for their airtime. That was a no-brainer for us. Of course, we jumped right on that. So we're now sending them $75 a month, and that's going to enable Pastor Arcadio, how do you say his name? Arcadio, to preach the gospel through radio. So let's give God praise for that. That's awesome. What a cool opportunity. So if you're ready to give today and you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. Of course, you can always give online anytime, and that's at nolimits.fyi. You'll find a giving button there. And as promised, I want to give you a quick update on some things that are going on behind the scenes here at No Limits. Chris Wills is working hard to fulfill our vision for getting these voter guides ready for our upcoming local election. It'll be here before we know it. But the goal is to interview and research all school board and city council members so that we can be well informed and that we can fill our local government with qualified and godly candidates, right? So just this past Thursday, one of our church members Uh, Amy Cook randomly was connected with someone from another local church who is on mission to do the same thing. They were hoping to run for school board, but they're in the wrong district, so they can't. So they're like, so I'm going to go and 
uh, put these voter guides together so everybody knows what to vote for. And it's like, oh my gosh, we're doing the same thing. And this is a guy that goes to Discovery Church here in town. So it's so cool. So now we're working uh, with him so that we can come together and actually, you know what, guys? Be the body of Christ <laughs> and, and do something together. Only God can make this connection. I mean, it's, it's really wild how it happened. It's really cool. And it's fun to watch God just bring all of this together and make it happen. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.